the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is Open Phone Friday. We will talk about anything you would like to talk about. I will change the subject if you've got something on your mind that you would like to discuss. The number is 888-528-2557-888-LA-TALKS. 888-528-2557. We do this on Fridays. Of course, we do have things to talk about, and I'm the host. I get to talk about those things, and so we will do that. But, you know, a great thing is often the callers, you guys call up, and uh, it's a great subject, and it helps us all know what's on your mind. And if you're thinking about it, probably somebody else listening is thinking about it, and uh, that's how those things work. Really glad that you are with me today. The number is 888-528-2557. You can also... Send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You know, uh, one of the things I like to do on the program is, and I think it's important, you know, behind the, the putting this show together is this idea that we as, this is a Christian program, and we're going to respond to the things in the, in the news, and we're going to have some fun with some stuff today. And, uh, we, you know, we do things like that, but there's a serious purpose for it. And I think a lot of it is that we together can help each other understand how things work and to have better informed conversations with people in our relational world who at some point, maybe currently, maybe in the future, we're going to have a conversation with them about Jesus. And if we are better at understanding how the world operates, which a lot of that has to do with just understanding what the Bible has to say about how the world operates— Some of it is to take a look at the news and be able to look at things with a critical eye and be able to say, well, this is kind of what's going on, and to understand that there's politics and and not get swayed uh, by uh, the crazy that you do have on both sides in different ways. I think it matters. I think it really helps us from the standpoint of discipleship, because where discipleship happens is with you and the people in your life, the people that you're listening to this with right now, if there's somebody with you, the people who sit in the office next door, the cubicle next door, the people that you go to school with, the people who are in your dorm, your roommate, your family, your next door neighbors, the people that you do life with, your your coffee shop baristas who probably know an awful lot about you if you hang out in uh, coffee shops, right? They hear your conversation. They know what your coffee drink is. Uh, they know who you are. They eventually call you by first name if they're any good at it. And what we are supposed to do is represent Jesus. So we talk about those kinds of things. One of the interesting things that is in the news today, I thought I would talk about it a little bit because I had to look this up. I didn't really, I wasn't really tracking with kind of the whys. One of the big stories today is the House passes the right to contraception bill. And what people are asking is, why are Republicans overwhelmingly voting against that? Why are Democrats passing these laws? Usually the headlines, in fact, I Googled it, and everything on the front page, every single thing on the front page is Republicans, you know, the number of, it doesn't say it passed, which it did. It says almost all Republicans vote against right to contraception bill. And that's a big part of the politics. Is it true 
that uh, Republicans are not in favor of that kind of thing. Why are why are they doing this? And um, typically that the next step, it goes into religious people. And that's where I think it gets very relevant for Christians. Right. Is because um, and I know that some of you, maybe if you have a Catholic background or maybe some other backgrounds, you do struggle in this this area. But I want to get to the bigger picture. Obviously, not everybody voting on it is doing this for religious reasons. Um, it's all politics, okay, kind of on all sides. 90% of people, according to a recent poll, says they're in favor of contraception. So this is not really a controversial issue with most of the country. So there's a couple of reasons why this is happening. Um, you know, and something we should just be, I, you should always think this, I always think this, is that when it's an election year, I should I should think about that whenever I hear stuff coming out of Washington, when I see our politicians left or right on TV. It's an election year. There's stuff going on. There is money to be raised. There are votes to go out and get or manufacture or however you're going to do it. And, you know, what's also weird about this is that you might be thinking, well, the election's not till November. No, I'll bet that ballots are going to get mailed out to us. What, the end of August, maybe? So we're real close. The, the midterms are very, very close. And that your politicians are aware of this. If they're not aware of this, then uh, they're, they're not doing very good. They don't understand that the world has changed, that we no longer really have election day. What we have is election month or election six weeks. And especially in California, where all of the uh, ballots are going out and people are going to have these ballots. So why is this happening? You know, here's, here's a tactic that happens a lot, okay, in politics. The tactic is, is that you propose a law and you call it the We Love Children Act. And you go out and you promote how much we love children. But inside the bill is something that you know your opposing party can't vote for. So inside the We Love Children Act is a $5 billion gift to Iran or something. You know, or it's We Love Children Act, but somewhere in it, it funds some kind of leftist or far right agenda thing that, you know, the other side can't vote for it. So they're going to vote no. And what happens then in the politics of it is that you come out and you say, well, we proposed that We Love Children Act. But the Republicans shot it down or this many Republicans. If you're on the Democrat side, this is what happens. It usually happens this way because Republicans are terrible at this. They've done it, but it's it just doesn't work for them. And part of it's because they can't get the media to play along for the larger, larger part of it. But what happens is you put out the We Love Children Act, you know that the other side can't vote for it. You also know it's probably not going to pass. And so you don't really you don't really want to because neither side wants to give five billion dollars necessarily to Iran or to do something for you know certain kinds of agendas. Uh, sometimes people do. And that happens. All right. But there's sometimes something that everybody knows the bill's not going to pass. The purpose of it is to get people on the record so that you can go out in the campaign trail and say, we propose the We Love Children Act. And look at these Republicans hate children. They voted against the We Love Children Act. How can you be against children when really what they're against is whatever else was in the bill they couldn't vote for? And uh, see, that's that's kind of what happens often. Um, it's also happening right now because of the Roe versus Wade decision, the Dobbs case. In a concurring opinion, Clarence Thomas wrote that some other matters should be reconsidered by the court. Gay marriage, contraception, mixed race marriage, and other matters should be looked at again by the court. And so people who are passionate about those issues or have opinions about those issues are saying, oh my gosh, they're coming after those issues. Now, the court can't just decide to, to discuss those things. There has to be a court case that goes through the system and actually gets to the Supreme Court, and it has to be the right kind of case for them even to look at it. 
What Clarence Thomas is talking about, though, is legal philosophy, not issues. I mean, he's in a mixed-race marriage. Obviously, he's not against that. Basically, what he's saying, and this is what the people on the right are saying on the court and in courts across the country, is that those things ought to be decided by legislatures, particularly state ones, and not courts. And it's, it starts to get very technical, but that's not how it gets used in the politics. In the politics, it just gets used, oh, they're coming after this, they're coming after that. 71% of Americans in a recent poll say they support gay marriage. There are no cases that I know of that are coming up against that. I do think that that decision probably could go back to the states in the same way eventually one day, but that's not on the docket right now. And I don't think there's anything out there specifically about contraception. But here's the the issue. Um, the issue is this. The House passed this bill that would protect access to contraception on a federal level, okay? And that's what the, the House is doing. They're not sure if the Senate is going to get enough votes, and that's part of the politics in there. The vote was 228 to 195. And so what you're seeing in the news today is why are there so many Republicans against this? Well, Republicans are against it for a couple of reasons. One, according to the Wall Street Journal, is because GOP lawmakers uh, believe it could open the door to uh, broader abortion access or or potentially force medical workers to provide contraception, even if it goes against their religious beliefs. All right, Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks from Iowa, who is a physician, she said that the legislation, she's voting against it because it eliminates conscience protection laws and singles out uh, that all providers would be required to administer contraceptive despite their moral or religious beliefs because the bill lacks language protecting physicians. All right, Democrats say that the bill forces the government, not individual providers, to enforce uh, the right to contraceptives. And there, you know, but a lot of this is politics with something that may or may not pass or that most people actually agree with anyway. Uh, Republicans in this case tend to be concerned about the technical things or concerned about, you know, does the abortion pill count as a contraception? And if so, uh, does this bill make that pill permanently legal, right? There's all kinds of things when you get into the weeds of it. And it's the complication of, of issues that sometimes happen. But see, the, the thing I think that all of us, all Americans, certainly Christians, but all Americans, we have to try to get past the headline. The headline is Republicans are against contraception. Not true. 90% of them are for it. If you read the whole story, somewhere in the story, you're going to find kind of the reasons why and a little bit in there. I like to think people can figure this out. I like to think our Southern California Live audience can figure this out and because I think people are smart. That is – that is something that I think that we all need to think about, is that people are, are smart. Now, sometimes groups of people aren't that smart, but people in general are pretty smart. I think we need to trust people with that. I think we need to do that in our churches. You know what I think happens sometimes in our churches? The reason why we don't get into theology and doctrine like we should, or even just the Bible, I think it's because sometimes we think people can't handle it. I don't want to say that about everybody, but I worry that that's really kind of the case. I think you can. I think that the churchgoer actually wants to have some depth in what is behind whatever it is we're teaching. And if there's nothing behind it, well, maybe we should teach something else. But if the Bible is behind it, if there is well-thought-out thinking behind it, I think we are smart enough to go there. I wish our politicians uh, would, would do that more with us. And I know most people sort of just vote party line and they vote – you know, for all kinds of reasons, and they don't look at the issues, and they don't really look deeper into things. But I think as Americans, we should. 
You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. It's also Open Line Friday. We can talk about whatever you want. If you would like to change the subject, if you've got a comment about the Bible or a question about current events or an issue that you are dealing with, today's the day, Friday. Sometimes during the week, we tell you to call back because it's not really on topic, but Friday's the day for that, 888-528-2557. Let's go to John in Ontario. John, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying that, and you were reiterating what I was feeling, the idea that the headlines are so misleading. You have that they're against contraception and the right to contraception Contraception is freely available everywhere. You can go to any pharmacy and CVS and get whatever you need. But the idea, though, is that maybe, one, as you said, everybody looks at abortion as kind of a convenient contraception, which is uh, leading down that dark pathway, you know, where we don't want to go. But also they want to enforce that people will not have a choice in what they will support such as, you know, Catholic churches not wanting to have contraception as part of their health care and issues like that. Mm -hmm. So it's just enforcing things, but also going way deeper and way beyond what the little blurb of the headline says. And I trust people they pay attention to be able to make a common-sense decision. I'm a registered nurse in the emergency room, and anytime I get a consent or an idea from a patient, I make sure they have informed consent. So yes. they know what's going on completely yeah. rather than just having a, you know, just a, a snap decision on what sounds good at the moment. So thank you. You're welcome, John. Thank you for what you're doing uh, in uh, in your work. I know it's a uh, challenging time. It has been probably for you for a couple of years. So thank you for calling in. You know, John, is uh, he makes a good point about informed consent. Like, are, how informed are we? Don't you, when you get, when you go to the doctor, don't you just want to know? I mean, sometimes you don't. Like, I, I, I'll joke with people about that little form they make you sign before a surgery where they're going to put you to sleep. Maybe you don't want to read what that says. It'll scare you to death. But there's, you know, there's all kinds of things in there. But you do want to know what they're going to do to you, right? And the doctor usually will come in and explain the whole thing. And they might even draw a picture on your arm you know, or wherever the surgery is going to be. We're going to cut you here and we're going to do this and you'll be out for this. And you have these choices and you can have this kind of surgery or this other kind of thing. And um, it's important, uh, to, I think, to understand, especially when you have a choice. Many of you have been confronted, you know, with a cancer or with some kind of disease where you've got to make a choice. Do you want to have the chemotherapy? Do you want to have surgery? Are there other treatments that are worth doing? And you want to have the whole, uh, you want to have the whole piece of information. That's one of the uh, issues that is wrapped up in abortion quite a bit, is that when you have, um, let's say you're going to use the term pro-choice, and like I like to say, uh, I don't like the terms pro-choice or pro-life because we end up talking about things other than abortion at some point, kind of on both sides, and we want to talk about that. But if you're going to be pro-choice, it's not really a choice if you're not giving full understanding of what's happening. So in the news, next week we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but in the news, pregnancy crisis pregnancy centers are being attacked, the ones that don't push abortion, okay, ones that are that maybe your church supports or maybe a different nonprofit is supporting, and that one of the big reasons that women choose not to have abortions is when they get an ultrasound. And so a big thing for these crisis pregnancy centers that are 
going to help you uh, go ahead and have the baby, help you deal with your financial issues or counseling, or they're going to help you through the process of adoption. That's the direction they will go. Uh, If you're coming in and you're saying, oh, I'm not sure if I want to have the baby or if I want to have an abortion, what they'll do is they will show you the ultrasound. And an ultrasound is pretty convincing, especially if what you've been told is just a clump of cells and it's not human. And then you see your baby with the arms and legs and heads and and heartbeat, and that changes a lot of people's minds. In a way, that is choice, right? In a way, you have that choice. And if you're not given that, so if you go into a Planned Parenthood and they won't do that, or they tell you something that scientifically isn't accurate, and all sides should be saying things that are scientifically accurate, you're not really given a choice, right? You're just given kind of the political, well, if uh, this is going to interrupt your life or you can't afford it or you don't know where the dad is or there's all these things, then your only choice is to have abortion. But don't worry, it's not a person. And uh, that's not choice. That's just um, politics is what that is. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, one of the things I, I believe, I really do believe, as much as we have a problem with with I think how we've been educated. I think that is a lot of the difficulty that we have in some of these issues and that are political because we don't have uh, civics education. That's something that uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida has started and it's, it's caused him some uh, criticism, but the governor is starting a civics course, kind of an advanced civics course for kids so that they understand government with the the idea that maybe some of these young people would decide to go into public service. Um, and in doing so, they would actually know how to do the job. Uh, I'm sure there's controversy, and of course, he's coming from the right, and maybe it's angled that way. I don't know. But my sense is that one of the things that we struggle with, even with people we elect, is that we don't tell them how to do the job. Uh, sometimes we don't tell them you know, how the government actually functions. And we run and we win because we're on the right side of a particular issue that the voters or people who actually vote in our district uh, are on. And then people get sent to Washington or they get sent wherever and there's not really good legislation or there's poor legislation or there's no legislation because everything becomes fundraising and keeping the job and just continuing issues without resolving them. I mean, we've been talking about, I don't know how old you are, but I'll bet for your whole life we've been talking about immigration. For your whole life we've been talking about guns. For your whole life we've been talking about health care. For your whole life, we've been talking about so many different things that almost never get resolved, even though in many cases there are pretty good resolutions if we just listen to people, where maybe most of us tend to agree. I tend to think that most people can find a way to move forward if we just got everybody together on a lot of issues. And you know, even if you're on the left or right, if you consider yourself a conservative or you consider yourself a liberal— Now, there's extremes on both sides, okay, who aren't going to listen to anybody. But I think that we could actually find lots of issues to deal with, let's say, the border better. And I think most people agree. I think most people are compassionate and think we should help people. I think most people understand that there's a lot of people coming up here for a better life, for the hope of America. In fact, most of the people who come here say, that's why I came here. And we should be glad about that. But we also should recognize that open borders is also creating multiple other problems. I don't see why we can't do both things, control the border and put a big Statue of Liberty down there in Tijuana and say, you know, come in, have an Ellis Island, have people checked out the way we used to do. 
I think most people we would find agreement, even if we have differences of opinion about various things. I, I believe that about people. This is something where I, I just and, – and you can call me and tell me you disagree if you do. That's okay. I'd love to hear that. If you, if you don't agree, I, you know, are we so divided? Like By we, I mean everybody. The people who get attention are the people on the, the extremes of the sides, right? It's, it's much better for clicks. It's much better for headlines. Um, we're going to laugh at the crazy, and it's, it's just much easier to sort of do that. Most people, though, don't have time for that. We're just doing our jobs. We're trying to raise our family the best we can. We're trying to afford the gas. We're trying to get to work on time. We're trying to have some kind of fun. We are trying to do something. I think that people are pretty smart, and I think that we need to do better at trusting people. And speaking as somebody who's a pastor and somebody who is looking at the church, the church that struggles a lot with basic knowledge of our faith, you know, I think the tie-in with when we talk about civics and government and all these things, the tie-in for us in the church is to ask the same questions about our churches. Do we have a clue what we're talking about when it comes to our faith? When we say something is biblical or not, do we know where in the Bible that is? Do we have any idea what it means that something might be biblical? A lot of us do. I think all of us are capable of knowing. And that's why I think maybe you can uh, give me some feedback on that, 888-528-2557. I think that people are capable of having very rich and deep knowledge. I think it's the part of the job of all of us to to help each other get there. And maybe maybe the sin that we have as, as a people is that we don't want to, that we don't want to have a deeper understanding of God. But I'll tell you what, when things are going crazy, and they are, when things are hurting in your family— when your your life gets blown up in different ways, it is so magnificent to actually have great confidence of the love of God, the permanence of your salvation, the gift of grace from Jesus Christ, why he's the way, the truth, and the life, why he calls you to live a certain way, why some things are moral and some things aren't. It gives you a path. That's why the scriptures say, thy word is a light unto my feet a lamp unto my path, lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. It's because if you want to know the next step, if you know your word of God, if you have some depth with it, then it's a, it is a spotlight to where you need to go next. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Open Phone Friday. You can call about anything you would like, anything that's on your mind. If you've got a Bible question, a question about something going on in your life, comments you would like to make, Give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Friday edition of our show continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It is our Friday show it's always fun on Fridays because we take your calls about anything that's on your mind. And I got things I can bring to the table as we've been doing. We got some calls about that. But you can call about anything that's on your mind on Open Phone Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I like to encourage you to put that on your phone. That way, whenever you feel like, I just got a call, you already have the number, 888 Seven is the number. Let's go to uh, Ronald in San Diego. Ronald, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great, yep. Ronald. How Thanks are you? For having me? Yeah. Oh, quite well. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, uh, I just had a question for you. I guess uh, something to mull over. And you know, that was just 
How do you think we're doing as the body at large to prepare the next generation to steward this, I'm going to say, United States of America or our country and what has been uh, given to us, you know? Yeah. What's the report card that you would give us, the body, Big C Church? Well, I think uh, that's a that's a really good question. I think you're all we always should be. And thank you for your call, uh, Ronald. We always should be thinking about the next generation because that's that's at the heart. Number one, from the church standpoint, it's at the heart of discipleship. Right? Is that most of the time, not always, but most of the time, you're going to be discipling people who are younger than you. Now, maybe they're just new believers, and maybe they're older than you, and that's okay. But I think as a as a standard practice, as we get older. Um, we should pour into the next generation, and by older, I mean just however much older. All of you listening, except for one person, is older than somebody else who's listening, right? Somebody's the oldest and somebody's the youngest in our audience today. We probably go through two all the way through 115. I don't know. and uh, But everybody else has somebody that you can mentor. I think the big thing for us with respect to the church, and then I'll talk about the country a little bit, is are we discipling people into becoming more like Christ? Are we discipling people so that they know the gospel, or are we discipling people so they become more like us? Meaning that, you know, if I sit down with a younger person and we're having coffee, and that's where I like to do everything, at a coffee shop or someplace, or as long as coffee's involved, am I trying to make them more like Scott Furrow, or am I trying to help them become more like Christ? And that's a big question. Am I making it clear to them what the gospel is, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, that that they know that and they know why they are saved? See, that's where in the you know, before the break we were talking about that there is depth, there is theology and doctrine that can get into. There's a lot of it that's agreed on. There are some things we disagree on, and we can have conversation about that, but the big ones Christians agree on. And... If we are going to prove to have the next generation do well, it's that we're focused on the right things, that we are trying to help people understand the gospel, understand who Jesus is. And I'll, I'll give you some hope with that. We get The statistics we get all the time are that younger people are, are not going to church, that they're leaving church, and that the younger generation, millennials or Gen Z or however it's, uh, you know, who comes after Gen Z? Maybe, there's, maybe they're it. Uh, who's after that? I don't think they've named the next one. Am I wrong? There's one that's like uh, if you were born after 2008 or something, we don't know what you're called yet. Um, the you know are we are we helping those people follow Jesus or are we just helping those people get used to you know church the way we like it? See what I mean? There's a, there's a difference. So the the positive thing really is that yes, younger generation, we are not acknowledging that they are Christians, that actually all generations now are more likely to say they don't have any religion than they used to be. That's just becoming something more comfortable in our society. I think there used to be a pressure to say that you are that you are a religious person, particularly to say that you're a Christian. Um, some of you might be old enough to remember when putting your church membership on your resume was something you could do. And that was something important, that that mattered to an employer in your town. Oh, you go to church, you're a member of a church in town. And that said a lot about your character and what you believed. I'll bet that nobody's doing that today. Do you have your church membership on your uh, resume? I mean, obviously, if you're like me, I'm a pastor. What would you do for the last 25 years? Well, I was a pastor. I have to put that on there. But 
you know, I think that's gone. Statistically speaking, though, according to uh, the General Social Survey, and I was listening to um, a podcast uh, about this, when you get into that number, something we should all be encouraged about is that the younger generation among us, millennials and Gen Z, actually are more devout in their faith than generations who are older than them then actually the ones who say they're a Christian, while fewer will say they're a Christian, the ones who say they are Christians are far more devout and committed to Christ and committed to the church than even previous generations. So we have something to learn from them. And I think one of the one of the things that a younger person in your church can tell you is that they don't put up with things that are not authentic. Now, they're going to have their own issues, and every generation kind of has their own thing, right? But If you're listening and you're younger, one of the things that you identify right away when you go to a church is if something's kind of phony. And you might even have a cynicism that's not real healthy that you got to push past about that, right? Because everybody's got a, you know, thing that they try to put out there. But but the younger generation, they understand that the, the church needs to change. I'm very encouraged about that. When I talk to college students, when I talk to young adults, uh, the questions they ask, the way that people want to get into the scriptures, um, it's very deep. They're talking about subjects that I'm not sure that my generation, I'm Gen X, that we really got into necessarily. I think my generation, maybe we took a lot of things for granted. We're kind of that middle generation that's non-controversial in some ways. But So I would, first of all, uh, Ronald, be encouraged that the church um, is not going to go away, that Jesus Jesus is in charge of his church. He's told us and promised us it's not going to go away. The way we do church might go away. A lot of our traditions come and go. There's a lot of reasons to believe that some in our are of the religious freedom that we've had in our country is is going to go away. And to transition into what do we do for the country, the the first thing to to know is this. If you really want to help our country, if that's on your heart, and I think as a citizen of our country, you should care. But as a Christian who happens to be a citizen, the best thing that would happen for our country is that people genuinely know Christ, not people who just go to church and mark that down. There's a lot of church people who do bad things out there, right? There are... There are movements within Christianity that are not Christian, that are against Christ, or that, you know, you hear the term uh, Christian nationalism a lot of the time. I think it gets overblown to one extent where just because you're somebody who loves the country and you wave a flag and you want to vote for people or, you know, that you do that as a citizen, that doesn't make you a Christian nationalist, okay? On the other hand, there are a lot of Christians and there are a lot of churches that if you really take a look, or when outsiders come in and take a look, you see an awful lot of politics and a very little Jesus. An awful lot of teaching about political issues. And we talk about it on, on this show, but this is why we're in this topic now. We started out talking about contraception votes in Washington, and now what, we're, what are we talking about? We're talking about discipleship and depth and the future of the church. That's where we try to go on this show. That's what Southern California Live is about. We can take the issues of the day. We don't need to ignore them. I don't believe we need to get away from them. I believe as citizens, we should be active, but we should be active for good government, for good character in government, for good character in the people, not just somebody who says, oh, I'm a Christian, but somebody who actually is somebody who genuinely cares and loves people, but also is capable of doing a good job as whatever politician they're going to be, whatever role they're going to have. Does that make sense? So I think a a big part of it is that we need, the church needs to have moral teaching and not just 
about managing behavior, but knowing why. Why are we, you know, do we have such an increase right now in STDs? Why is monkeypox becoming a big deal? Why is the divorce rate climbing? Why are there, is there so many sexual questions and difficulties that people are having? Why is there so much hurt? Everybody in this audience right now, everybody knows somebody or they are somebody who has been hurt personally, wounded by something in this area, in the sexual behavior area. Why? It's because we've moved away from the biblical ethic or the biblical, we've, we've sometimes taught a wrong biblical ethic or we have just not taught it at all. See, that's going to imp- that impacts the whole country. It impacts who we vote for. It, it impacts the healthcare system. It impacts what they're doing at the CDC right now. It affects what the government has to talk about. It affects what's on. The- See, all our behaviors matter. When when God tells us to that certain things are sin and, and there's a better place for this in marriage and what marriage is, when we do that, things aren't perfect because we're in a fallen world, but things are a lot better. That's how we're going to get better. When we actually are Christians and for, you know, Americans, you know, make America great again. The, the, the hat that Donald Trump handed out to so many people, which, by the way, that slogan, he didn't make that up. Did you know? I need to get the clip of this. It's, there, this was Hillary's slogan in 2008. Did you know that? There's a whole commercial with Bill Clinton saying, vote for Hillary and make America great again. See, we know we need to be great again, but the way to be great again is to actually be great that's the path. All right, that's a long answer. 888-528-2557. Hope that helps you, Ronald. 888-528-2557. Uh, let me go to Joey in Orange County. Welcome to Southern California yeah. Live. Hi, Scott. Hi, Joey. I used, to, I used to listen to Frank Pastore and then Frank Sontag, and now I listen to you, and I just really appreciate the words that you have shared today a well, lot. Well, thank you for being such a long-time listener to our to our program here on KKLA. Well, I've been here a long time. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I um, I live in California, and it's a magnificent state. And we, you know, I live in Southern California. Our weather is practically perfect, but I'm very um, unhappy with a lot of the political issues that are happening in our state, as are many people. And the election is coming up in November, which is really coming up very soon. And I just would like to encourage people, if they want to see change, that they get themselves together and and get some strategy going and do the work that it takes to have what you want in your state. You know, and you talk about integrity. Well, things come down, you know, the, to control our schools from the Department of Education and filter down into our kindergartens. If we just are apathetic and just you know, sit on our hands, uh, nothing is going to change if, unless we take action. And uh, and God is very powerful. You know, he's very, very powerful. He can change anything. So I, I just, um, I know that it's not, you know, we're Christians and our number one issue is not politics. But since we live in a country where we vote for what we get, mm-hmm. um, we need to do what it takes to to get what we want for our kids. Yeah. I, you know, I appreciate your call, Joey, and thank you for calling and listening to our, our show. You know, I don't want to ever say that, you know, as citizens, we shouldn't be active politically. I think I think as Christians, we should care about, in our system, the government, right? In so many systems of the world, you don't really have much of a say at all. You need to always pray. We actually have a responsibility. I think that there is 
that this is something that we need to do better at is have the responsibility to actually pay attention, to not just vote party line, to find the the best candidate out there. Um, you live in a place in California. You may not have a choice of parties, really. We're, it's, it depends on where you live, what county you live in, what district you're in. That may not even be on the ballot. So who are you voting for? Something I think that is positive about the last couple of years is that we've learned how much local elections matter, that we for a long time, I think we spent too much time worried about Washington and too much time even worried about uh, I don't think we think about Sacramento at all, but maybe statewide things or the governor's office. It matters. But think about what's going on in your life. Think about what affects the kids, what affects the schools, what affects things. It's so often the local people. And those elections are decided by a small number of votes most of the time. Often those elections, your local school board elections or your county official elections, city official elections, sometimes they're decided by less than one or two votes per precinct. I mean, that's how close it is. California, any state, we can change a lot if people actually pay attention. I think that matters a lot. And then I think as Christians, we have to keep in mind, though, that our hope is not with the state. Our hope is not with the government. And if at the end of the day we keep going down this path that's not good, um, God is still in charge. And God has a plan for everything that will culminate with the return of Christ one day. And whatever's happening is not outside of that plan. You know, God is not going to look down and go, I can't believe they voted that way. It's somehow thwarted my plan. It's not how it works, right? We can trust that the plan of God is going to work, that he has called us to make disciples, and that begins locally too. The people in your relational world, that's where discipleship happens. I got to take a break. It's Open Phone Friday. You can call with anything that's on your mind, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, Bible question question that might be on your mind, something that you want to make a comment about. Today is the day. Open phone Friday, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as your Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Open phone Friday. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can call up, change the subject, make a comment, ask a question, whatever it is that you have on your mind that you would like us to talk about today. Now is the time. Sometimes during the week you might call, and we get a lot of calls. We we filled up the phone line, didn't we, Wilbert? Uh, Wilbert is my producer here. Uh, we got a new phone system, and it went from putting six people on hold at a time to 10 people on hold. And we, we hit, hit 10 earlier this week. So, you know, our goal is to, uh, you know, keep the calls coming. But during the week, we try to stay on the topic that we're talking about. And we do that mostly on, on Open Phone Friday. What I like is that as you call it, it ties things together. I like to think that that's what God is doing with us in our program together, is that the Holy Spirit's a good organizer. And if you got something on your mind and you've got a burden to call, maybe that's a good thing for a lot of other people listening. So that's why we do it, and uh, that's what we're doing today. 888-528-2557 is the number. We were talking before the break about, and throughout this hour actually, about the the ability I think we have to to understand things. We began by talking about confusing things that happen sometimes in politics and the way things are reported and why um, – headlines are out there that don't necessarily match the story. I think we're smart enough to figure that out, but we do have to do the research. 
I also think that in the church we're smart enough to deal with some difficult matters that are theologically deep or or doctrinally important and that we don't need to skip them. I, I encourage pastors, if you're listening and you're a pastor, I encourage you to go ahead and trust your people that they can understand some harder subjects. You know, Don't be so academic that you're just speaking in words that are just way over everybody's head, but you can do the work to really help people understand the whys. There's a why, scripturally speaking, behind moral questions. There's a why, not just a command. There's a why for that command. There is a why about why we believe in, in Jesus or why we believe in different things. You know, the uh, the Bereans, you know those people in the scriptures, uh, this is what it says in Acts chapter 17. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Apparently, the Thessalonians weren't that you know, is good at this, but for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Notice that they examined the scriptures. Can I blow your mind with something? Maybe you've never thought about this. The Bereans didn't have a Bible. They they didn't have a New Testament anyway. They didn't have the Bible like we have it. They had the Old Testament writings the new testament they were they were living it it was being written maybe they had a, a gospel at this point but but it's likely that those things hadn't reached them or certainly it wasn't complete and yet they were able to go through their old testament and really ask some good questions about whether or not the stuff paul was saying is true which is something i think we should do whenever we're having bible study whenever we are together with different things in our our church whenever you're listening to this show whenever you're listening to whatever pastors you like it's okay to go to the scriptures and figure it out. And I think that maybe that's overwhelming for a lot of people, but it, I don't believe it has to be. I think it's just something we have to do better at. I think it's something that we should just do uh, more of. The Bereans um, were able to go into the scriptures and ask some pretty good questions. Uh, is the Messiah going to be um, God? Uh, does the Messiah have to die? You know, why would these stories that Paul is saying, why would they be true? Does the Messiah fit uh, the prophecies that are in there? All of those things. And when they did that, and they did it together as a group, not not just as individuals, but as a group, they determined that, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. And by the way, they said to their non-Jewish Greek friends, hey, you need to understand that this Messiah that we're celebrating right now, he's for you too, that all who believe will have everlasting life. And they got that from studying their Bible, and they had depth with it. That's why they were of more noble character. They were able to do it. I think all of us can be Bereans. I really do. I think our churches need to be known for that a a lot more. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. Open phone Friday. Mark from El Segundo. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Mark. Oh, yes. Hi, go ahead, Mark. Hey, Pastor Scott, how how you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. I yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about God's magnificence in the outer space. Mm. He created all the planets, and the stars. I worked uh, on the James Webb Telescope for seven years. Oh, all right. I saw the telescope when it was just a a little carbon fiber structure. So this is a great and, uh, a good week for you. Oh yes, yeah, I was. Uh, I was the eyes and ears for NASA. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I, I was the only quality assurance person on the swing ship, so 90% of my name is on that telescope. 
So all right. Oh, good well, job. good job. <laughs> this must yeah. have been a stressful couple of weeks for you, then. I guess maybe, huh? Oh, it, it definitely was. I yeah. I knew the spacecraft was a lot stronger than people thought it was because I had tested pretty much everything. And uh, yeah, it, God put me in that job. I'm I'm like it was. It's so surreal for me. I'm I'm super humbled by it. I'm retired Air Force. This is my second career. And, uh, yeah, he just slid me right in there. And, and uh, I kept telling the guys, hey, look, you know, you, you have no idea what you're building. And, uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that are just into science and they yeah. don't know the Lord. So I have a chance to witness to them and, and uh, you know, share my faith. And, you know, they're like, well, aren't you insulted about the telescope? And I said, not at all, because if there's a big bang, there's got to be a big banger. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I took them out to a old mountain and showed them all the different layers and said, look, I can explain each one of those layers to you, and you'll walk away believing in God's creation and not your Darwin theory. <laughs> the, um, and they, if for maybe our, some of our listeners don't know, this uh, past couple of weeks, um, we, we launched several months ago the James Webb Telescope. It's basically a replacement for the Hubble. It's much more Hubble Telescope. We launched, I think, back in the 90s, is that right? And uh, took some amazing deep space photographs. And in doing so away from the Earth's atmosphere, we get better pictures. And then my understanding is that the the, Hub, the James Webb telescope is a million miles from Earth? It's uh, 1,600,000 miles away. It's got 18 mirrors that are made out of gold and beryllium. That's a, a very, very clear picture with those mirrors. It makes the Hubble look like a toy. Yeah, um, and it's it's going to be around for over ten years. The launch was was absolutely perfect. We went out of French Guiana, went to the L two orbit, which is well past the moon. And uh, now what what does that mean? L two orbit? It's it's beyond the moon. It's that far away. That's what that means. Yes, L, L, it's just like the ocean. They have in, in maritime they have different sections of the ocean and they're they're labeled on a map with numbers and letters. I see. Same with the uh, outer space. They have sections. They well at least some of it. And uh, what what the mirror what the telescope does is it'll take a picture of a galaxy or a planet and then by the time it gets back to the the GAA the gimbaled uh, antenna assembly um, they can they can they can calculate how long it took to get back, get the message back, and how old that that uh, uh, universe is. Yeah. Can you, uh, so, Mark, I'm coming up on a, on a hard break, and uh, you mentioned that you had, uh, that you're a believer and that you've worked on this. Have Since you've seen the pictures, and we might have to come back to you if you can hold on. Can you hold on through the next break? Oh, absolutely. Um, here's what I want to ask you about, is when you see all those pictures, you know, when we come back from the break, Tell us what they did for you as a scientist, as somebody who worked on this with respect to your faith. And maybe if you've had some conversations with some colleagues or other people about them, I think that would be an interesting uh, discussion to have. Can you hold on for the break then? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd be honored to. Thank you. All right, everybody, when we come back, we'll keep talking to Mark about this. I think it's an important subject. If you've seen those pictures, people are making a lot of uh, spiritual commentary on those pictures and what that uh, these, these things mean. So it's a, a good piece. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. We'll be right back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.